Welcome to Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic, your educational podcast where we discuss the ins and outs of the HVAC and mechanical service industry. Find out how we can help you increase efficiency and how we deliver excellent service in the real world. Welcome to Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic. I'm your host, Sean Heath. It's not really a big secret that I'm very much a fan of Mike Rowe. Dirty Jobs was one of my favorite shows of all times. And he's a well-known endorser of the value of the skilled trades. I have the privilege today of having a conversation with two more individuals who have a rightfully earned amount of pride and interest in the skilled trades. My guests on the podcast today are the Vice President at ServiceLogic, Greg Crumpton, and the founder of HVACKnowItAll.com, Gary McCready. Hi, Gary. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Greg, how's your day going? It is spectacular overlooking the beautiful skyline of Charlotte, North Carolina, and having a great day. The reason I bring up Mike Rowe is I watched his TED Talk and he talked about the disappearance of the skilled tradesmen. That's got to be something that hurts each of your hearts to see that happen. Yeah, for sure it does. Uh, in my, my situation, and I know it does Gary's through our, our correspondence, you know, the skilled trades is something that has provided for my family for a long time, going back to my, my dad also being a member of the skilled trades in the air conditioning business. So it, it hits me really close to home. I agree with you there too. So it's it's put food on my table since um, since I was 20 years old and and moving out on my own, um, and now I'm providing for my wife and three kids. So I've I've created a career out of it, and and now I've created. And I talked to um, Josh Zolan about this a couple of months ago. We we talked about adjacent um, careers to the industry, and and this is what I'm doing now with with the experience that I've. Uh, created for myself in my career i'm creating this adjacent career where i'm doing podcasts of my own and i have my website and i'm doing tool reviews and and uh, rotating on social media on different platforms and, and creating a buzz around it trying to make the trades look cool for the younger kids coming in. you know what i mean one of the benefits that working in the skilled trades provides is there's a sense of connection and community and there's a social aspect that exists that I don't think a lot of people realize when it comes to the skilled trades. What is causing these skilled tradesmen to sort of leave the industry and on the flip side of that coin, how come we don't have a fresh influx of new apprentices? So Gary, let, I'll tackle the first one and then maybe you could speak to the second, but uh Okay. You know, I, I think that the, the whole, what I call the silver tsunami of uh, the skilled workers, uh, among all workers, but the skilled workers in particular, because that's where I spend a lot of time thinking, uh, are, are retiring at an incredible uh, rate uh, due to the fact that, uh, like me, I'm a, I'm a baby boomer. So I'm the youngest baby boomer. I was born in 1964. Uh, therefore, I'm 55 years old. And those that are my age and older are retiring, and we're not, we haven't been able to backfill the, uh, the I guess, the number and, and some would say the quality of worker uh, that we have always had up to this point. Okay, so as far as 
the lack of young kids getting into the trade. It's, I think it's dependent on the way we teach them and the way we treat them because the world changes. So we kind of have to change and evolve ourselves in the way we treat individuals, right? Not just in the trades, but, but all together. Back in the day when I first got into the trade, trades, um, there was a lot of aggression towards apprentices from the senior techs and the business owner. And nowadays, if you put forth that aggression towards these young kids, they're not going to, they're not going to accept it because they see opportunities in other places. Like if you go online on YouTube, a young kid, 19 years old, they can make a living sitting in a chair playing video games. Unbelievable as it is, they can do that. So when they come into the trades, we need to teach them, um, in a different way, we need to show them that the trades are cool. And that's one of the things I've tried to do with my online platforms is try to put this kind of uh, spin on it where it looks like we're having fun out in the field because a lot of days we do. A lot of days, yes, um, it's not fun, but there's a lot of days that are fun and are very rewarding at the end of the day. So I think it's all about how we treat the apprentices and how we teach them. We have to change that going forward. It's that we can't be old school anymore. And that uh, sense of fulfillment can even happen on a, a day that's not necessarily fantastic. A rough day, you can still accomplish something at the end of the day. Exactly. Yes, you can. It sounds like it's a bit of an image problem, but I don't know necessarily that it's just limited to the image of the industries. I think there is a self-image that, for some reason has become, it's not cool to be a carpenter. But there are a million videos on YouTube that show carpenters doing super amazing, cool, crafty, just genius things. It's really just about marketing. You're 100% right on that. Go ahead, Greg. I think, Sean, that, that's a great point. That is, it is an, it, it has become an image issue where so many people have this stigma around wearing a uniform or wearing a pair of Carhartts to work. You know, uh, we, we've done, as the U.S. and Canada both, uh, probably worldwide, we've done this uh, disastrous job of telling everybody they have to go and earn a four-year degree in order to make a, a, you know, a great career and have a successful income. You know, really, it, the inverse of that is probably true right now more than ever. We have a lot of college graduates that can't get out and make a living because there's no demand for the education that they have. So they wind up doing other jobs that are outside of their degree. So I, I think that the, the image has to be that, uh, you know, you used a word a while ago that I, I find near and dear, which is craftsman and being a craftsman and being a tradesman and, and you started their, uh, the conversation out with Gary and I being artists, and, and we really view ourselves as that because we embrace our, our industry at a level that we want other people to, obviously, but at a, at a level where other people may not have gotten to yet. Uh, so we do feel like artists, and part of that is sculpting you know, what the next generation or the next iteration of uh, technicians looks like. So. Uh, I think we, we are just having to do a whole lot of education, uh, a whole lot of showing, and, and as Gary said, teaching differently. And, and uh, you know, the human side of it is treating people, you know, better than we got treated when we were 19 years old coming into the industry uh, to show them that there is a, a, a good way and, you know, they can earn a successful wage. 
provide for the family and have a have a nice life. So I think it's just a, a whole wide breadth of what we have to educate people. There are only so many companies that need a social media director. And yet, there is an exponentially larger number of companies and situations that need a welder or a plumber or someone who knows HVAC or an electrician. As an added bonus, I thought it was really interesting what you said, uh, Greg, that there are students who graduate with four-year degrees that will not work in the field that their degree applies to. And they will spend years trying to get in on the ground floor as an intern on some company because they think that their degree in English literature is going to turn into their next great novel. At the same time, those four years that they spend working in the mailroom, they could have become completely certified and trained as an electrician or a carpenter and already after four years be making a much better living than they will make 20 years from now trying to write their novel. Yeah, if I could add to that too, one, once you once you get to that four or five years and and you put your head down and learn that trade and you learn it well, you can create your own business out of that going forward and create your own destiny as well. And I mean, like you said, working in the mailroom for four years, but I mean, you could be working in a trade four or five years, 10 years from now, you could be owning your own business and making huge income, have your own employees and your own destiny. The destiny's in your own hands when, when you're in the trades because there's so many adjacent that you could pick and choose from. You could go into sales later on. You could you could do something like what I did. Um, I mentioned it earlier, but you could start your own blog, podcast, um, social media accounts, and start reviewing tools. And there's all kinds of opportunities out there adjacent to a career in the trade. Yeah, and Sean, you mentioned a while ago, and and just to, to kind of finish uh, Gary's. Uh, a little bit of his thought would be the degree that people aspire to and get through normal college or university always comes at a, at a price tag. And you mentioned micro and the micro foundation and what they're doing for scholarships to uh, help people go through a skilled trades program, a technical school, a community college. There, there's, you know, so many people that I've put through uh, technical school in, in my life and as a business owner, uh, you know, one thing we did was every year we had a, uh, a an apprentice that we paid for their school all the way through to get their degree. And over the course of the my time of owning a company, uh, we did 12 kids through that program. So 12 kids got a skill uh, with no debt. So I think that uh, tackling that, that student loan, loan uh, debacle is, is just another layer of this is that you can get a job, you can make 75 grand a year, and you don't have to have college debt to, uh, to have to pay off. Now, you mentioned uh, the college debt, and obviously that makes me think finances, which makes me think about the economy. Now, there are downturns in the economy that affect all industries. Are there slowdowns in, in these particular trades, or are they relatively consistent compared to the volatility of other careers? I can speak on, on my trade in general. I can't speak on all the others because I don't know um, all the details, but for, for us, we have slow periods. Um, in, in the service industry of HVAC, like shoulder seasons, like like March or maybe September, uh, where the, the, the temperature is mild, it's not cold, it's not hot, and we're not going crazy with service calls. The other thing I'd mention is that 
and I've mentioned this tons of times on my own platforms, is that there's a difference between being an installer and being a service technician. Installers will install equipment, obviously, and there's there's cost to that. There's, there's a lot more cost to an installation than there is, let's say, a $500 service call. So if somebody has an old machine and it's running, but it's not very efficient and we're in a recession, chances are they're probably going to wait it out and they're not going to spend the five to $10,000 it takes to replace an entire system. But a service technician will probably get the call to go fix it if it breaks for a fraction of the cost. So I always preach service in my industry as being, um, like not like you said, not recession-proof because a lot of people still hold back some money, um, even in service, but it's resistant because things always break, like you said, Sean, and we'll have to get the service call and go repair it. Yeah, I, I would I would add on to that, um, guys. That uh, so my company I, I ran a large company for a long time, and then I branched out in 1999 to to form a company called Airtight that my wife and I started, and we ran that company for 15 years before we were acquired by Service Logic, where I currently work. But I can tell you that we went through 9/11. Uh, uh, as a two-year-old company, and then we went through the housing meltdown of 08, 09 into the Great Recession, and we grew every year. We were, as Gary alluded to, we, we were service-based, so we didn't do a lot of new construction as far as new uh, projects being built. Our, our uh, bread and butter has historically been service maintenance and repair, and I can tell you that every year of the 15 years, we grew in revenue. Uh, and we were profitable in every year. So I think that that speaks to, uh, Sean, what you were uh, saying that, you know, we're, we, we certainly, uh, I'll tell you in 01 and in 08, we weren't going gangbusters, but, you know, we, we were still moving the needle slowly. Um, so, it, you know, I think recession uh, resistant is a great word for, uh, for the service industry where Gary and I spend a lot of time these skilled positions, they're not really at risk of robot replacement anytime soon. Robots can do an awful lot of great things, but there's just some things they're just not ready to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll take this one first, Gary, I guess. Uh, I, I'm 100% on board with that, Sean. Every, you, every situation that you run into as a service technician in our industry is a little bit different. Maybe the wiring diagram's not on site. Maybe someone has made a, a poor repair the first time and the system's not acting as it should. There's, there's any number of things that you have to be able to use your, your skill set of what you've learned, the, the science, the physics, and the math behind HVAC. But there's also that degree of, of, you know, what I call common sense, which doesn't seem to be all that common anymore, of being able to look at this thing and logically come up with a solution or at least a series of tests to prove your hypothesis of what you think's wrong, which is what we do. We, we make an assumption, we add charge, remove charge, we replace a faulty component. So we're always testing against the hypothesis of what we believe is wrong with the system. And to, in my opinion, there's way too many variables for that to be uh, automated very quickly. 
Now, who knows with machine learning, uh, we, we may prove ourselves wrong there, but uh, I certainly don't see it in the short term as being a threat. Well, as we wrap up today, I would like to open the floor um, to each of you. What is one thing that you would like all of the listeners of the podcast today to take away from this conversation? And uh, Gary, let's start with you. Well, I, I just think um, just just have no fear. I mean, get, getting into a trade, it doesn't need to be scary. It, it can be intimidating at first. But once you get past that intimidation factor and you get out there and you, you meet people, other people in the trade, other techs, other apprentices, um, you start to form a bond and you start to form a network. And over time, it's rewarding. I mean, it's, it's nice to go home at the end of the day, have a customer smile at you, shake, shake your hand and say, you did fabulous work today. The office is cool. Um, everybody's happy and you drive home knowing that you did a good job and you can sleep well at night because you know that you're doing something honest and you're helping people out. Greg, what would you like people to take away from today's conversation? Well, that's certainly well said by Gary, that that satisfaction of a job well done and being recognized for it is always nice for ourselves to think about while we're driving home. Uh, I I think that the big part for me is to uh, have people dig in and really, really dig deep. And if if you're going to become part of our industry or become part of any industry, really understand the, the science of what you're doing so you can truly hone your skills and become a professional. Um, we, we have, all industries have people who have uh, wound up in the, in the skilled trades that we wish we could help go back and kind of reset their, their learning because they have learned either proper improper techniques or improper tools to understand systems. But I I really think that digging in, understanding the nuts and bolts and the science will always make a professional technician. And that's what you get when you heard what Gary described. You get that satisfaction. Today on Conversations from the Edge with Service Logic, it's been my privilege to have a conversation with Greg Crumpton. He is, of course, Vice President at Service Logic, and Gary McCready, the founder of HVACKnowItAll.com. Gary, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time out of your days. I really do appreciate it. All right. Thank you for taking time, Sean.